Hey everybody, it's Skeletoni. Um, so this is episode 35, and this is the first recording we did, and you may have noticed that there wasn't an episode uh, on time. We tried to record it again because this one came out like shit, um, but then we tried to record it again, and it came out like shit again. So we're just going to use the first one here. Uh, we tried to use a different computer, and it ended up backfiring on us. Taylor sounds all right, but I sound like I'm on the other side of a warehouse. Uh, so, anyway, um, I did the best I could, so this is <laughs> as good as it's going to sound. Um, you may notice this is May, of course, um, but we don't have anything prepared for Cystic Fibrosis Awareness Month uh, as we plan to do in May, because this was originally supposed to be an April episode, um, but May is Cystic Fibrosis Awareness Month, and uh, just to let you guys know that uh, it, donations can be made to Cystic Fibrosis Foundation at cff.org. Um, any any amount counts, and this just and every penny matters and helps. Um, further down the line, when we actually get started with our CF month uh, on the show, we're going to have a T-shirt available um, for I don't know exactly how much yet, but um, and that any proceeds that we get. Um, our, our, our profits from that shirt are going directly to the CF Foundation as donations. So uh, if you'd rather get a t-shirt out of a deal and make a donation to a cause, uh, we, we'd love you for that too. But uh, however you can donate, it, it, all, it all counts and it all, like, it all matters, um, speaking personally from, you know, from my heart. So um, anyway, so let's get to episode 35. Sorry it sounds like crap, but uh, here we go. Welcome back to another edition of the Great Plot Podcast. I am Skeleton. I am Taylor of Terror. This is episode 35. Um, start off with, if you don't like reading books, but you love to listen to other people read them to you, go and check out uh, audible.com, or, um, or more specifically, audiblepodcast.com slash Podcast. Uh, you will get a free audiobook out of the deal. On us. Yeah, well, sort of. On the house. We're not paying for it. Um, but, uh, they don't know that. <laughs> it's, it's, it's nice though, because I signed up for Audible a little while ago, and I think you know, I told you I was listening to. You got it. to hear Brian from Wings yeah. read it. <laughs> um, it was a nice, uh, what, like 46 hours, I think, the whole thing. Jesus. Uh, it took me, you know, I would only listen to it at work, um, and then sometimes in the car, but it took me like two weeks to listen to it. <laughs> Um, so, but it's nice because it's got like books that you didn't even think were on audiobook, uh, a huge library. So, 
Uh, go check it out um, at that link. And uh, What's that link again, Tony? It's audiblepodcast.com slash graveplotpodcast. Um, and you'll get your free book out of the deal and see how you like it. So check that out. Um, so how are you doing? I'm doing quite well. Uh, what's new? Uh, not much. I'm looking forward to going to Nifty tonight. Yeah. Going um, to see some, some, uh, short horror films. Mm-hmm. Um, what is that? I don't even remember what that stands for now. It's the National Film Festival for Talented Youths. Got it. Youths. Uh, youths. <laughs> Did you say youths? Um, yeah, and, uh, Gigi Guerrero will be in showing, attendance. Yeah, she'll be showing, um, El Gigante. Uh, yeah, thank you. Um, which we reviewed last episode, in case you missed it. Yeah, so if you, if you didn't miss it, go back and listen to that and uh, see what you thought. Or see what we thought. Um, yeah. So, other than that, anything else? Um, no, not really. So, this is a little off topic here. Okay. Uh, I want to talk briefly about the new Joker. Okay. That debuted. Uh, for those of you who haven't heard, Jared Leto is playing... The Joker in the Suicide Squad movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe that that movie was fucked from day one <laughs> um, because they cast not only Will Smith but Jay Courtney. Uh, if you're not familiar with Jay Courtney, uh, I would check out um, I Frankenstein. No, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> uh, Nor will I check out Terminator Genny Sice. <laughs> but he he's just awful. <laughs> I think he's also in a movie coming up with uh, Russell Crowe, Fighting Around the World. Is that what it's called? No. Oh. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> um, but uh, he's, he's fucking hot garbage. And so those two were bad enough. I mean, we all know Will Smith is a piece of shit. Um, See, I was willing to give a pass for Jared Leto for the Joker. Um, I, I don't like him. I don't care for him much either. I, I did like seeing him get his face punched in in Fight Club. <laughs> that was nice, yeah. But yeah, um, Will Smith is Deadshot. Like, what are you doing there? Yeah, I don't like Will Smith. Well, yeah, that's a that's a different conversation. I don't want but... him to play anything, um, except Fresh Prince. <laughs> we can go back to doing that if he wants, but I don't want to hear another peep out of him for anything else. <laughs> um, so, welcome to Earth. <laughs> so, Jared Leto, uh, like I said, I don't like him. When he was cast as a Joker, he was quite upset. Not as upset as Bat- uh, Affleck as Batman, but pretty close. Um, and it's like, you knew right from the start that they weren't going to go in the same direction as Heath Ledger, which is fine. I mean, uh, that was obviously a, a big departure from Jack Nicholson. Sure. Or even, you know, if you like uh, Mark Hamill on the animated series. Right. Um, but... Jared Leto, like, he's, if you haven't seen the picture, you could just pull it up online, uh, just Google it, it's all over the place right now. Um, he's covered in tattoos. Yeah, he's got, like, the word ha all over one side of his chest, and it looks like one of his, um, like, one of his biceps, and he's got, like, a, like, he's got a joker on the other yeah, it's like pectoral. A, like a skull gesture. He's got a big grin on his forearm. Yeah. And he has the word damage on his forehead. Yeah. And, 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 oh, and you know, to your point, he's got a, he's wearing a fucking grill. Yeah, top and bottom. What? Whose fucking idea was this? 
I don't know. Um, there was something that slipped out. It looked like he was watching maybe part of the scene they just filmed. Right, yeah, I saw that. Uh, like a tablet or something. Yeah, and it showed like like a two or three second clip of him. Oh, I just saw a still picture. I didn't actually see the clip. Oh, well, the thing I saw it was actually a, a, a GIF that was just looping. Mm. But um, it's like probably about five frames of him. Uh, he goes from like this sad face into like this, this maniacal like laughing. In that, he was wearing like a suit, wasn't he? Yeah, like a white suit. Yeah, which led a lot of people to believe that it's like he's taking Joker directly from the Killing Joke. No, the Dark Knight Returns. Oh, um, because he does wear a white suit in that. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's uh, me, I don't know too clearly about the comic, but I know the, the animated feature they made from that. Um, the Joker is like this big, huge guy. Oh, really? Like He's he's like Bruce Wayne or Superman size. Hmm. Um, I don't know where that came from, but he does wear a white suit in it. Um, so it makes me wonder if they, that's where they're gathering inspiration from. But, why... Why is he covered in tattoos? Yeah, that's weird. He looks like a fucking like gangbanger. Like, yeah. Like a cholo is what he looks like. Yeah. He, yeah. Um, but he's like super pale. Yeah. And it's like... Which, yeah, I mean, it doesn't look like he's got makeup on like the Jack Nicholson or Heath Ledger Joker. He just looks incredibly pale. Yeah, which is fine because um, the Joker actually did, he doesn't wear makeup. It's his skin is like bleached that way. In the comics, oh, okay. and even Jack Nicholson, like he didn't actually paint his face white. He was—that's true. Yeah. Um, he actually painted his face skin tone, right? And looked, uh, and looked yeah, fucking weird. Yeah. He still had that huge jacked-up smile. Um, I just—I I can't get past the tattoos. Like, who would you say somebody posted saying they like, didn't think Joker would be so self-aware? That was a few people I saw on Twitter. Yeah, it's like. But that's actually a fair point. It's like, why... And the one on his forehead, that's especially dumb. Yeah. Say it says damaged. But it's like, you know, if you're crazy, would you know that you were? Exactly. Um, so, this just adds to the fact that I don't like Jericho. <laughs> and he's going to really fuck this up. My sister, she's all... She's all Dallas Buyers Club, and... Yeah, she's all, all up on his nuts and thinks he's just going to kill it. And so her and I are going back and forth the other night. And so, no, <laughs> just stop. Just stop. Just leave it. And she's like, he, he killed it in Dallas Buyers Club. Like, oh, good. So he can play a, a, a needle happy transsexual. Good for him. <laughs> what would I do? <laughs> um, anyway. Okay, so. I think that's enough. Uh, that's long enough of a spiel. Yeah. Anyway, so um, we've got, I don't know. Some horror business. Yeah. I mean, it started out, like, this is a really lean couple weeks for news. Yeah. Um, we managed to deep some out. It might not all be terribly interesting, but <laughs> um, here we go. Go to horror business.
Xbox with um, you know, for many, many years, people have talked about it, whether or not there's going to be a sequel to Blair Witch. Uh, obviously, they made a second movie. Um, let's see. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. I have a hard time hating it because Jeffrey Donovan was in it. Michael Weston, Burn Notice. Oh, okay. And I fucking love that guy. So even though, obviously, that was before Burn Notice, I have a hard time really hating that movie because he's in it. <laughs> well, it wasn't Faruka Balk in it, too. No, there, there was another chick that she's all pale and tough with and kind of like her. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it wasn't, yeah, it just wasn't that good. No, it really wasn't. Um, anyway, but, so they've been talking about doing another sequel for, for years. Um, I don't know what kind of premise they'll follow because the second one wasn't exactly a sequel, per se. No, not really. Because it was kind of a, almost in a different universe. Sort of. I mean, I would have to go back and watch it again to be 100% sure, but I'm fairly certain it was set outside of the documentary knowing that it was a film, not... Right, that's what I was going to say was the, the documentary found footage movie existed in the second movie. But as a... As a Falsehood, not not real, right? Um, but the the legend of the Blair Witch does exist in this town of Perkinsville, and that is where this film kind of takes place. Yes. So it's not exactly a direct sequel. So it makes me wonder uh, where a third movie would go. Would it follow that lineage, or would it fall back into this world where the Blair Witch is like the Blair Witch Project is actually a real thing? I don't know. Um, I mean, Eduardo Sanchez, who was the one of the directors, he said in January that a sequel is in, "quote unquote" inevitable. Right. I mean, it's, you know, I have to think that have to abandon it. Um, found footage because it's, it's not really it won't have the same effect as it did. Yeah, most definitely. Um, but there's a, a project going on called The Woods. Um, nobody seems to really know a whole lot about it. But there's speculation floating around that it could be actually Blair Witch 3. Um, Adam Wingard and Simon Barrett are both working on it. Um, That's the team behind Your Next. Right. And The Guest. Yes. Um, and so it looks like the, the premise that people know um, is uh, it's, it's about a group of college students on a camping trip who discovered they're not alone. So... <laughs> Nice and vague. Yeah. Um, that, I mean, but that could fit with a Blair Witch. Sure, yeah. I mean, but it could also go into... It could also be a slash completely unrelated, yeah. Um, now, this is this is actually an unconfirmed report from Bloody Disgusting. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of going on their speculation here. We're reporting rumors. Right, which is not usually our forte, but... Um, yeah, this is... Uh, I mean, the woods is real. We know that much. Sure, yeah. And we know that that's filming now. We, but the only thing we don't know is whether or not it actually is going to be Blair Witch 3 or if it's going to be its own separate freestanding entity. Right. Um, but, I mean, I imagine we'll find out more as time goes on and um, if things start turning towards uh, Blair Witch, then we'll be sure to let you know.
So while we're apparently in our rumors section, <laughs> another unconfirmed rumor is that Rob Zombie is penning a motion picture version of The Hills Have Eyes, The Beginning. Um, this was spotted on IMDb, which no one really knows how it got there, who put it up, but that, that's where the, all the rumors started. Uh, the Hills Have Eyes, colon, The Beginning is actually a graphic novel penned by Justin Gray and Jimmy Palmiotti, and the rumor is that this would actually be an animated movie based on that. Mm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know about an animated Hills Have Eyes. No, I, I don't either. I don't know. This would be interesting. I don't, I, don't, I don't know that I would actually watch this. I feel like the remake covered the origin story pretty well. More or less, yeah. I mean, not going to show, like, directly what happened. But no, but they explained it. Yeah. Um, and the fact that it's an animated movie, I, I, don't, I don't think I'm into that. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, uh, Rob Zombie did the Haunted World of El Super Bisto. Mm-hmm. That kind of sucked. <laughs> yeah, it kind of did. Um, but, I don't know. You know, that's the thing with Rob Zombie. I feel like so many people are like, either love him and just everything he does they think is genius, or they just absolutely loathe him and they can't stand anything he puts out and they'll spit on it before it even becomes a reality. But I'm really split on him. I, I like, I like House of a Thousand Corpses. I really like The Devil's Rejects. Mm-hmm. I don't care for El Super Beast, though. I, I liked his first Halloween. Mm-hmm. I didn't care for the sequel even a little bit. Yeah. So I'm, I mean, I, I'll give him a shot, but I'm not, either way, I'm not, you know, ready to write him off before I actually see it. Yeah, I'm basically right in line with you. you know, I, I liked and disliked all the same movies. Actually, I mean, a lot of people probably want to hang me on the cross for this, but I actually liked his remake of Halloween better than the original. Yeah, well, you're stupid. Yeah, fuck me. Um, I just, I, I think a lot of people, are convinced that he can't make a good movie because of Halloween movies. You know, people people didn't like the first one because they're so uh, um, fucking, set in their ways. Well, it's just like they have so much allegiance to the original. Okay, yeah. So they wouldn't even give it a chance, and then everybody fucking hated H two. That was bad. Um, so I think a lot of people will say that he can't make a movie. Totally disregarding House Without the Corpses and Devil's Rejects, which fucking rock. Yeah. Um, so I, I think a lot of people just don't want to even give it a chance. So I'm sure a lot of people have probably written, I mean, obviously this is a rumor, but probably written him off about this, even though it hasn't even come to fruition. But like I said, his last foray into animation was kind of bullshit. Yeah. Um, well, the, the graphic novel of this is the origin story of how the cannibalistic mutants became what they are and who they were before the accident. Um, who cares? Yeah. I mean, I don't... What, are they just some normal hillbillies as opposed to... Um, mutants? I, that's what I would guess. And then, like, the atomic bomb testing or whatever turned them into mutants. Yeah. Like, who cares about who they were before? It's like, tell a story in five minutes. Done. Yeah. Um, 
Well, I don't know. We'll see if anything actually happens with this. Rob Zombie is listed as the writer, director, executive producer, and as a voice. Right. So, hmm. I feel like he did a voice in El Super Beast, though, but I don't remember. You gotta bring back Laura Ortiz as the voice of Ruby. Because <laughs> you gotta bring back Ruby. Okay, okay. Um, so, I, like, this being a rumor, we don't know for it, we'll hear any more about it, but I guess if we do, we'll tell you more. Yeah. Stay uh, tuned. Sit on it. <laughs> People are strange. When you're a stranger, faces look ugly when you're alone. Women seem wicked when you're unwanted. The streets are under the Following the work of Wes Craven. The Reach. What? Wes Craven. Oh, Hills Have Eyes. Great. No, that's not that much of a reach. No, okay. that's a good segue. Thank you. But you ruin it by having to have me point it out to you. <laughs> um, actually, you know, it doesn't say... Well, I guess it doesn't really matter. It doesn't say whether or not this Rob Zombie thing would be attached to the remake or if it would be attached to the original. That's a good point. I mean, I guess it doesn't really matter, like I said. It would be essentially the same origin story either way. Yeah. If, um... But Wes Craven is uh, attached to help develop a People Under the Stairs TV show. Um, he's involved in a first look deal with Universal Cable Productions for the Sci-Fi Network. Oh, God. Uh, and we know how all things go there. Actually, that's not fair. I mean, they had quite a few series, actually, that did pretty well. Uh, Battle, Battlestar Galactica, um, Warehouse 13... Stargate. So it's just their movies that are shit. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. I mean, I didn't like any of their shows either, but other people seem to. So, right. whatever. Um, is SmackDown still on sci fi? Um, I don't know. There was talk of moving it to USA. I don't know if that ever actually happened. But I guess you have cable. Yeah. Um, I usually watch it on Hulu the next day. Uh,. Wes is EP, that's executive producing for Use at Home. Use, use at Home. Use guys. Use to over there. So you know, EP means executive producer. Are you Christopher Walken now? Is that a, is that a good Christopher Walken? That's thing? decent. Alright, well then yeah, Christopher Walken. <laughs> does he talk like that? Does Christopher Walken say use guys? I don't think he does. <laughs> I mean, I guess he could. I mean, I'm sure it's within his power to say that. Um, but yes, he is executive producing along with Shep Gordon of Alive Productions and Tracy Murray and Sarah Botfield of, of um, Industri- Industry Entertainment. There it is. There we go. Um, those last two, those names are familiar. Can ring a bell with you? Tracy Murray and Sarah Botfield. No. Hmm. Okay. Uh, Michael Rise or Reese uh, is writing, and I looked into this guy's credits. The only thing I even recognized was Boston Legal. Alright. You know, how long that was. Yeah. That was successful, though. Sure. Uh, 
I don't know how many episodes he actually wrote, but I didn't recognize anything else in his uh, history. So. All right. Well, the premise of the show is when a young woman goes missing at the Grand Robison Family Matter, her search unveils the centuries-old horrors that lie deep within the estate. It doesn't really sound like people in the stairs. Not really. Uh, you know, People in the Stairs as a movie uh, leads you to believe it's actually much more of a supernatural horror movie than it actually is. Um, there's actually no supernatural activity mm-hmm. in it whatsoever. Just a bunch of fucking weird people. Right. Um, Which kind of... Wes Craven did that a lot, I think. <laughs> Just weird people, like Hills have eyes, for example. Yeah, yeah. Right, well, I guess if you think about it, the only real supernatural thing he did was nightmare. Yeah. Huh. This scream was all real world. Yeah. Well, so she didn't miss him. I can't think of anything. Yeah, that's going to my mind. Yeah, it's centuries old. I don't think the movie is that dated. No. Yeah. Um, anyway, but uh, aside from that, Craven is also working on uh, uh, a TV adaptation um, of a Daryl Gregory book titled We Are All Completely Fine. Um, it tells the story of Dr. Jan Sayer, an enigmatic, enigmatic, there we go, Psychologist who gathers survivors of five horror movie scenarios in a support group and unwittingly unlocks the evils of her patients' past. As their traumas are brought back to the surface, they uncover which monsters they face are within and which are lurking in plain sight. Uh, Wes Craven is writing the script and will direct the pilot if it's actually ordered. So it leads me to believe that this is just something they're developing. Kicking about, yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's a, it's a weird premise. Yeah. It's survivors of five horror movie scenarios. Does that mean, like, similar to horror movies? Yeah, I think something that you might find in a horror movie. Okay. That, that, that would be my guess. It's not like a collection of actual horror movie victims or anything. <laughs> that might be interesting. Yeah? We could cross over. Um, if you actually had, like, Fancy Thompson and... Well, Nancy's dead. Spoiler alert. Well, I know, but I mean, like, if this was set in the past or something. Sure. Yeah. You're a dick. <laughs> um, yeah, so keep an eye on this. Wes uh, Craven one of those people, I think, needs to just take a backseat to things. You know, just put his name on it, like, like he did with Scream. The TV course, show? Yeah. Of course, that may have not been a good idea. <laughs> I smell doom in that show's future. <laughs> yeah. Um, did you see the interview with him where he said that he wished he had just left Freddy's look alone? I did, yeah. Um, I wish that he would have had that frame of mind when he signed over the rights to uh, the remake. Of yeah. course, actually, now I'm thinking about it, I think maybe he didn't have rights to that. I think he had actually already sold all of his rights to New Line or something. That's probable. But, uh, but yeah, 
far as new nightmare. Um, you know, that's one of those things where it's like, if it wasn't pointed out to me, I probably wouldn't have noticed. Because, I mean, his face was still fucked up in a similar fashion. Yeah. So, I mean, I noticed there was a difference, but I didn't notice that, that much. Okay. Uh, so staying in the TV realm, uh, we've talked before about the TV series Preacher, based on the comic series, and there's some some casting updates. Uh, Jesse Custer, who is the main character, the titular preacher, that's the one. He's going to be played by Dominic Cooper, who you might recognize from Captain America or Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. Mm-hmm. I remember when when this first came down, you, you told me about it, and you were like, "Didn't see that one coming." Yeah, I you know looking at the comic book art. Of preacher, you know, I think I mentioned before, I was never really much of a reader of preacher. It was not really my <clears throat> thing. Um, but to see like actual like art and things from the comic of pre of uh, Jesse, he I've never really seen Dominic Cooper filling that role. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't really know enough about. Preacher or Dominic Cooper to really say. So. Right. Yeah, and those of you that might not be familiar with the name, like Taylor here, um, if you've seen either of the Captain America movies, he's the one that played Bucky, uh, aka the right. Soldier. So, maybe you could at least put a face to him. Uh, and then Jesse's ex girlfriend, Tulip O'Hare, will be played by Ruth Mega. <laughs> My Mega. Careful. Um, I said Nega. Who is from World War Z. Uh, Cassidy, who is a Irish vampire companion of Jesse, will be played by Joseph Gilgun. I love this. I, I fucking love that guy. <laughs> He's so funny. Anybody that's watched The Misfits, or not done that, it's just Misfits. He's in the last couple seasons of it. He's fucking hilarious. And he's going to be like, I think, from what I know about Cassidy, I think he's going to be perfect for this role. Okay. Uh, Viola Quinn Cannon, a slaughterhouse owner with connections to Jesse, will be played by Elizabeth Perkins, who you would recognize from Big. I'm not, I'm not reading Weeds. Come on. She's from Big. Or, or the Flintstones. Wait. Was it Big? Yeah, that was her. Mm, I don't think so. Yeah. I don't know. She was in the fight stones, though. Wait. You're right. I know. I'm thinking of the wrong person. Okay. <laughs> uh, Arseface, who is a frenemy of Jesse, <laughs> will be played by Ian Coletti of Baby Mama fame. <laughs> that was the only thing that I even knew, like, was a thing. Um, this character of Arseface, he's like fucked up. 
Like, I didn't know who or what he was, so I looked it up. Apparently, he was like this, he like tried to sh- kill himself with a shotgun, and instead of putting it in his mouth, like, apparently he and his best friend were going to kill himself with a shotgun. Best friend put it in his mouth and did it right. Uh, Arseface put it up to his chin and basically just blew his face off, but survived. Yikes. And so Cassidy is actually the one that uh, named him Arse Face. <laughs> because his face looks, like, looks like an arse. Looks like an asshole. Like a fucker. This food is just so delicious. I just want to find the cook and just kiss his asshole until it explodes. <laughs> Uh, finally, Hugo Root, who is Arseface's father and also the sheriff, will be played by W. Earl Brown of True Detective, which is the show with Alexandra Daddario's boobs. Actually, he, more specifically, he's going to be in the second season of Coming Up with uh, Vince Vaughn playing Vince Vaughn. Okay. Well. But yes, you are. Is correct. the second season going to feature Alexandra Daddario's boobs? Uh, probably not. Then I probably won't watch. <laughs> Did you watch the first season? I watched the scene with Alexander Daddario's <laughs> boobs you 17 know. times. <laughs> a day. As long I watched it for as long as it took me to get him out of. Or as long it. as it took for your wife to come back from the store. <laughs> no, don't say that. <laughs> um, yeah, W. or Earl Brown. First thing I can remember seeing him in was a bio pic about. Meatloaf. <laughs> That's awesome. Was it called Bad Out of Hell? It may have been. That's what I would call it if I was making a meatloaf pile there. Mm. I mean, what else could you call it? Right. I mean, just the loaf story. <laughs> loaf story? <laughs> That's actually better. <laughs> Bad Out of Hell, colon, a loaf story. <laughs> There we go. <laughs> they got to retitle all, all their, all their DVD sales. Um, so that's coming to FX uh, sometime. Is it FX? Isn't it? I don't know. I'm pretty sure it is. I thought it was A E. That doesn't sound right at all. Well, fuck me. <laughs> Keep talking. Um, talk. Talking. Talk. Uh. You know, this is actually, this is being written by Seth Rogen and uh, uh, Evan Goldberg, which... AMC. A, okay. And it was one of them, AHL. Um, but yeah, we, you know, you know them as a comedy duo. But obviously there's probably going to be a fair amount of comedy in the show, but it still seems like an odd pairing to me. I mean, not them, but them to the show. Mm-hmm. But we'll see. Um Hopefully it's more like super bad and less like green hornet. Yeah. <laughs> mm, I am not a fan of this news. I don't know. This has been around for going on three years. 
Yeah. So I don't know what to make of this. Yeah, I guess it's it's not so much news as it is just kind of um, somebody kicking up dirt on yeah, it. Yeah, revived stories. Um, for many many years, they've been talking about work uh, creating an American Psycho TV show. Um, this was originally announced back in two thousand thirteen. Um, it's been pretty quiet since then. Um, but some, I think, new news, um, about it is it's being written and executive produced by, uh, Stefan Jaworski. Uh, I'm pretty sure he's a Danish, some kind of Scandinavian. That name sounds really familiar to me. I don't know. Uh, I looked at his, um, his IMDb and I didn't see anything that I recognized. Most of it was in like names like Scandinavian titles with Scandinavian letters. <laughs> it's, like, it's like I don't read all that Viking talk. Um, the premise of the show, which I've seen uh, at least two times that I can think of, um, is Patrick Bateman, who is now in his mid-50s, so presumably this takes place in Early 2000s? Roughly? Yeah, I guess so. Um, he is training a protege. Um, which sounds very much like, um, is it Mr. Mr. Brown? Is that what it's called? The one where he trains his brother? What are we talking about? The one with the Kevin Costner. Oh. Uh, something like that. There's Mr. Something. You know, uh, wasn't there a book, though, where he was, like, training his brother? American Psycho? Yeah. I thought there was, there was... I thought, um... What's his dick? Um... Who wrote the fucking book? Basically. Right. I thought there was a book that he... I thought he wrote a book where him and his... That Bateman and Sean teamed up. Not to my knowledge. Uh, I don't know what the fuck I'm thinking of, uh, maybe you're just fucking stupid. Could be. You're drunk. I've had a beer. <laughs> um, and then also, uh, how, how to Become a Serial Killer. Very similar premise. I never saw that. Yeah. It's, this is just it's someone... With there was a Field of Dreams too. What? Why? I don't know. Apparently it was in 2011, though. What, left, what did they have left to... Address. Mr. Brooks. Was Brooks. That's, that's right. I don't know, but Kevin Costner didn't even play the same character. Wait, he was in Field of Dreams too, but he didn't play? Yeah, he played Iowa Farmer's dad. And Taylor Lautner was in it. What the fuck? And this... Tony Gonzalez? The tight end? Yeah. This sounds awful. <laughs> Rich Eisen is in it? Deshaun Jackson is in it? Why are there so many football players? Clearly, this is a football field, not a baseball field. Dennis Haysbert? <laughs> Ray Liotta? Jesus Christ. We're watching this when we're done. Oh, please. <laughs> well, that's interesting. If is you, it? If you learned nothing else from this episode, it's that there was a field of dreams, too. <laughs> um... Yeah. This is this is being developed for FX. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it is a partnership 
between FX and Lionsgate. I think they do a lot of work together, if I'm not mistaken. Lionsgate does a lot of things with a lot of people. They're kind of sluts. Yeah, or, um, careful, you don't want to be slut-shaming. It's okay, because it's Lionsgate. But we don't want to get in trouble with Jeremy Brenner and Chris Evans. What did they do? Oh, you didn't hear about that? No. Um, they're being interviewed, and they were asked what their opinion was of Black Widow uh, being in a romantic relationship with Bruce Banner. Because apparently that happens in Avengers 2. Um, and they were just joking around saying that, basically insinuating she's kind of a homie hopper. And they actually said that she's such a slut. <laughs> Referring to the character, not Garjo. And um, just the fucking internet it blew up about it. They were like, kind of making a call. He was fucking stupid. <sighs> okay, if, if you're going to get upset by someone calling someone a slut, you're the one that's slut-shaming, because you're the one that's taking it with a negative connotation. Mm. If you're going to be so butthurt about slut-shaming, then you should be proud to be a slut. That's like saying that being upset that somebody used the N-word, that makes you the racist. Well, no, because that already has a negative connotation. And the word slut, too. Regardless, it was stupid. I mean, I think we're both on the same side here. It was dumb, and the fact that they had to issue an apology because they were just getting torn to shreds on the internet. It's fucking stupid. Yeah, it is. It's like, if they were just out there saying, like, Scarlett Johansson is a fucking skank whore bitch, then yeah, maybe they, they should make an apology. Right. But they're making a stupid joke about one of their close friends <laughs> um, and just throwing a shit fit of, people just throwing a shit fit about it it's fucking insane I actually posted something um, on the uh, movie pilot creators group somebody posted something about this and I said uh, it's like there are thousands if not millions of women across the planet that are being beaten killed raped kidnapped, forced into the sex screen, and we're upset about this? It's like, I, I put ha hashtag fake, fake outrage. Yeah, that's, everything today is just fucking fake outrage. Everyone, like, the term, if you're not mad, you're not paying attention, wasn't meant to mean, make some shit up! Yeah. You better be mad about something. Yeah. Because if you're not mad about something, then you're just, you're just dying where you stand. And you're part of the problem. Anyway. Oh, that's enough of our tirade. Yeah. Okay, so that's a, that's a thing that happened. Yeah, and the American Psycho, the speed series, is a thing that might happen. Maybe. We'll see. Keep it posted. One kid from hip-hop and diss tracks, go karts and fist fights, getting drunk but they're getting high like a fish pipe. Are you an MC Chris type? A hip-hop love and half fight to just turn on your highlight. A bunch of burn a bop, this is our time, that's the fun to boom up. So, a uh, gentleman by the name of Peter Gallagher, who is an author, not the actor, an actor Peter Gallagher? Yeah. Okay, not him. An author, uh, in fact, an author of the 2006 novel, The Light, the, or sorry, The Little White Trip, A Night in the Pines, colon, right, The Little, <laughs> the little White Trip, colon, A Night in the Pines. <laughs> 
is suing Joss Whedon, Drew Goddard, Mutant Enemy, and Lionsgate for um, copyright infringement for Cabin in the Woods. Yeah, this is out of left field. I mean, yeah. I mean, what year did Cabin in the Woods come out? 2010? 10, 11, somewhere. Yeah, so it's, it's been a while. Must have been taking a long time to assemble this case. Yes. Um, Unless you just now saw it. Yeah. I mean, I just saw it last year or something, I guess. Yeah, fuck me. Uh, Gallagher claims that both feature a group of young white people. Sorry, that doesn't say that. For you. It was because the, the book was called The Little White Trip. <laughs> Let me try again. Both feature a group of young people terrorized by monsters while staying at a cabin in what is revealed to be, spoiler alert, a horror film scenario designed by mysterious operators and certain scenes involving the characters finding strange items in their respective cabins and discovering hidden cameras. Holy run on sentence. <laughs> Uh, in fact, there are also characters with similar names and personalities in The Little White Trip. There are characters Julia and Dura. In Cabin in the Woods, there is Jules and Dana. Very close. Very similar. Um, in the complaint, Gallagher describes how he self-published the novel and began grassroots ever- efforts to sell it on the Venice Beach Boardwalk and on Santa Monica's Third Street Promenade. Um, the lawsuit claims, quote, the defendants currently reside and operate out of Santa Monica, California, a short distance from where the book was sold. Gallagher is suing for copyright infringement and damages in the amount of $10 million. $10 million. million Clans. Ducats. <laughs> yeah. Simoleons. Well, <clears throat> you know, usually when I hear things like this, I think, that's... Fucking bullshit. <laughs> get off. Get off. Or get over yourself. Um, but this actually sounds like it might be legit. I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't have taken Joss Whedon to be that kind of guy. Um, and maybe it wasn't necessarily his fault. But this is just a little too much to ignore. It's true. Especially with the characters having such similar names. Mm-hmm. That's the one that I think might kill him. Yeah. Um, I see this probably settling out of court, though. Oh, definitely. I mean, I don't think um, Winesgate will let it go too far. Yeah. I think 10 million is a drop in the bucket for them. Well, Gallagher will probably end up getting, like, five or six. Yeah, possibly, yeah. But, I mean, that's still probably more money than he's ever going to make off any of his books. Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, if he wanted to self-publish, then he couldn't have expected to make too much off of it. Yeah, true. I mean, if you can get a payday for somebody stole's work, why not? Yeah. Um, yeah, more than likely this is probably the last we'll hear of this. I doubt it's going to be a continuing story unless you want to actively follow it, which I'm not going to. Right. Uh, yeah. Unless you want to see the, the hero of the Marvel Universe fucking ass you know. <laughs> Of course, again, $10 million, probably all that much money. Um, all that Buffy money. Yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> Let's go. All right. This is the end of the night. 
So, there's been floating rumors, basically, ever since Evil Dead Remake came out, that there was going to be a sequel, and it was kind of assumed, I think. Don't you? Yeah. I mean, why would you reboot a franchise like that and not make a sequel? True. Um, and I mean, the, the end, and especially, like, the, the stinger in the middle of the credits, where they left it open. Yeah. Um, but, I mean... Fide Alvarez, I think even Sam Raimi, and Gene Levy, they all kind of made it seem like there wasn't really any plan for a sequel. Yeah, well, Gene Levy actually, like, flat out said, if they're making a, a sequel, I don't know about it. Right. Um, but apparently there's some evidence that the sequel is still happening. Um, uh, Sam Raimi, he recently uh, was quoted as saying, uh, I love the Evil Dead remake. I think Fede Alvarez did a brilliant job with Rob producing and Bruce also helping. I love that. Oh. I love that movie. Sorry. Yep. I love that movie. And I hope there will be a sequel. After we made this movie, as much as the fans loved it, they also seemed to want to see Bruce again. Go figure. Yeah. Uh, so we thought this, this is the time if we're ever going to do it. So now's a good time. And television seems like an interesting format to take it forward in. We chose to make Bruce... That's a typo. I should say Bruce's. We chose to make Bruce's story right now, but we hope we can get Fide back to continue the new Evil Dead series once we reestablish Bruce's story. Of course, he's referring to Ash versus the Evil Dead. Correct. Um, which, I showed you that picture of uh, Sam... Uh, Robert, or Rob Tappert, and... Rob um, Tappert. Right. And Bruce. Bruce is looking fucking swell. He's looking good, yeah. Yeah. I, I expected that he might get into some, you know, some kind of shape. But, you know, guys with mid-50s. Yeah, doesn't come easy. late 50s, I don't know. Um, yeah. And so, to get in the kind of shape that he appears to be in, that's really impressive. <laughs> Yeah, like he's he's skinny to the point where his head looks enormous. <laughs> he's returned the power to his chin. Yeah, <laughs> I mean he's not like he, he looks built. I mean he's not thin like he was back in you know with that sure too. Now he's just like when he was like nineteen. <laughs> sure. Now he's got like actually like a, a built up physique. Really yeah, pretty impressive. Um, anyway, uh, on top of that, Evil Dead 4 might still be happening. What? <laughs> Same point? Uh, this seems like a bit more of a stretch to me. Um, uh, Bruce himself, uh, saying it's a possibility no matter what happened. Because I think we always want to keep that ability in the back of our minds to tell a story on the big old screen. Um, nothing will preclude anything, regardless of what happens. We made the movies over a 12-year period, and that last one was over 24 years ago. But I think in the back of our minds, we always want that ability to do that again. Um, because, I don't know, this is something you might take with a grain of salt, because Bruce has a, <clears throat> a history of blowing smoke up our asses. Mm-hmm. And it's a very non-committal thing for him to say. Yeah. He's like, well, we want to make a movie. We've always wanted to make the movie. But we don't know. Maybe we'll make it at some point. Maybe. Um, so, 
thoughts? Um, I don't know. I at this point, like with the, with the remake already coming out, I kind of have a problem with there being two separate Evil Dead universes going simultaneously. Well, I mean, there's always been this talk of the intention of crossing over. See, I, I would rather just see Ash come into the new one instead of making another movie and then having them cross over. I would rather just okay, just continue the, the, the new Evil Dead, the Fede Alvarez Evil Dead, and have Ash become a character in that. Yeah, I'd be into that. Um, I don't see the need, especially with Ash vs. Evil Dead coming out, I don't see the need for another Evil Dead movie. As much as I'd love to see it, um, if they're going to make a sequel to the remake, and then also have Ash vs. Evil Dead going on, I would see a need for two simultaneous film series going on. Right. So, um, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm with you. I, I think I'd much rather just see Ash become a character in a new version. Right. Um, there's a lot of things in that, though. If that's their ultimate goal, they need to be careful with Ash vs. Evil Dead. That was the use of the Necronauticon, the look of everything, basically. Yeah, that's true. Um, so in order for them to cross over, they've got to maintain some continuity. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know, I mean, I, I suspect if we see in... But I mean, Ash vs. Evil Dead is supposed to be a continuation of Army of Darkness, right? Right. Or, no, actually. Uh, I think I was reading in an interview that they are essentially... Ignoring Army Darkness. So it's a continuation of Evil Dead 2? Yeah. Although Evil Dead 2 ended with the beginning of Army of Darkness. Right. <laughs> I don't know. Alright. Has the Evil Dead series, like, saga ever made sense? Not particularly. Yeah. Um, I mean, <clears throat> like how Evil Dead 2 was basically a sequel and a remake mixed together. Sequake. Sequake. Um, so, uh, we'll see how these two things go. I mean, I would love to see some movement, I mean, rather than just a bunch of talk, like I've been going on for a few years now. Right. Um, but we'll see, and um, if something happens, we'll be sure to let you know. Uh, but do keep an eye out for uh, Ashley's Evil Dead coming up next year. Uh, and they're starting to release pictures and do a lot of interviews regarding the show, so I imagine we'll start seeing some stuff from it. Ramping up the hype train. Yep. So, keep an eye. So, on this show, we have talked a lot about the television program Constantine, mm-hmm. and how it's, despite it, it, all of its benefits, it's looking like it's headed for Shit Creek. Yeah, it's been really popular amongst fans, uh, and it's, it's been really popular with fans and critics, actually. The fact is, though, they put it in the death slot on Friday night, um, and they can't sell advertising. That is a problem. Yeah. And that's always going to be the case. I mean, they may make money off Grimm, because Grimm has just been this super success that I don't think anybody saw coming. But 
you know, if you're going to put a show on at 10 o'clock at night, you can't expect anybody to watch it. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, um, <laughs> executive producer Daniel Cerrone says that next week they are going and trying to pitch a second season to NBC. Actually, we're hoping next week. When you're listening to this, it'll be this, this week. So yeah. It may have already happened. I don't know. Um, by Cerrone's own admission, it's a long shot, but he still thinks they have a shot. Um, a sign that NBC is open to the idea besides agreeing to the meeting is that the network has chosen to stream all 13 episodes of the series starting this Friday. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's already on Hulu. Right. But I guess this is free, right? On NBC, yeah. Yeah. So if you don't have a Hulu Plus subscription, you can, as of Friday, watch all 13 episodes. Yeah, and the article where this, you know, originally came from is... It's an interesting point that it's like when a network is done with a show, they will just basically burn it. I mean, make it disappear like it never happened. And for them to be putting this kind of effort into it definitely shows that they're open to something. Sure. Because they have to be idiots not to see the potential, at the very least. I would think. Um, I mean, you can't just ignore it. Lots of people like to watch. I mean, they may not be able to make money off of like Hulu views, but they definitely they can definitely see how many people watched it. Mm-hmm. Does yeah. Hulu get all that advertising money? <clears throat> uh, I I have to imagine it's probably. Or does does Hulu pay them like a, a flat fee up front, and then Hulu collects all the advertising fees? You know, that might be the case. I, I bet who just pays for the show or has some kind Yeah, of that would be my bet. Um, yeah. But, um, well, if you're a fan of the show, I would suggest going on NBC and streaming all 13 episodes, even if you've already seen them. Go do it again so that they can look at the numbers and see, see that the support is there. Yeah, and then go over to your friend's house and watch them all there, too. Yeah, and then go into incognito mode and watch it again uh, and then go use a proxy and watch it again. Yeah. Yeah. Just just watch it so many times. All the times. Wake up and watch it. Watch it throughout the day. Watch it at work. When you get fired for watching it at work, watch it at home all day. And then go on Twitter and put at NBC hashtag save Constantine. Yeah, that. <clears throat> so, yeah, sometime in May, we will know what the deal is, what, what the deal is. What the deal is. Oh, you me <laughs> Ain't no party like the Bust a Bust and the Martha Stewart party. Because <laughs> I'm Martha Stewart and the Bust a Bust party. Don't stop till we say, what the deal is. What? <laughs> you don't remember that? Nope. That was like the, the first time that what that what's the dealio really came like a big thing. Was when Busta Rhymes said it on like the, I think it was the... MTV Movie Awards or something. He he was presenting along with Martha Stewart. <laughs> that's what he said. He came up to that, and Martha Stewart was like, "I am so uncomfortable right now." <laughs> and then she did the Justin Bieber roast where she talked about fucking him. And then she went to jail. Well, no, she went to jail first, and then she went. To oh, the she really screwed me. Shut up, dick. Whatever. Fuck you. All right, well, that's going to do it for our business. Yeah. Other than some remains. And when I say some, I mean there's just a few. Yeah. So we'll just breeze right through these. Very few remains. 
Uh, believe it or not, Tom Green. Yes, that Tom Green, Mr. My Bum is on the Swedish, is going to be in a horror movie. Yeah. It's titled Bethany. It's directed by James Colin Bresick. And it centers on a woman named Claire, played by Stephanie Estes, who moves back into her childhood home with her husband Aaron, Zach Ward, a.k.a. Scott Farkas. She begins relieving traumatic childhood memories, including... Fan of the Great Pop Podcast. Yep, that's right. <laughs> Twitter follower. Uh, she begins reliving traumatic childhood memories, including flashbacks to tragic events involving her late mother, played by Shannon Doherty. <clears throat> Green's psychiatrist character becomes involved with the couple's lives. So, Tom Green is playing a psychiatrist. <laughs> and this will be a serious role. He's not like the comedy relief. Yeah, I don't know that I... I can't do this. <laughs> and it'll be like, he'll come on screen and you'll be like, Ah! Fucking Tom Green! Say something funny. <laughs> Say something funny. Say something funny. <laughs> Off. The <laughs> We're the only two people in the world that have seen that. Well, then people need to wake the fuck up. Go rent Grind at Blockbuster right now. <laughs> what, no good? <laughs> um, so, the what, 70s? I think so. Uh, the Entity. I don't think I'm familiar with this one. I'm not, but from what I've heard, it's like, people fucking love it. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Um, we might have to check it out, because I've been hearing... Fantastic things from all over about it. So, hmm. um, well, it's being remade, <laughs> uh, produced by James Wan, um, Mr. Fast and Furious. Yep. Um, uh, it's written by Chad and Carrie Haynes, who was Hayes. Oh, thank you. Um, the team behind the Conjuring. That's right. You add ends. I add the word white. <laughs> <laughs> well, everybody knows how about white powder. You are. Whoa. And there's the line. Don't, don't, don't hide it. Everybody knows. Um, an unnerving tale about a woman physically and sexually abused by an unseen assailant, believed to be a supernatural demon. All right. Um, apparently based on true events. Uh, based on the story of Doris Bither in 1974. Yep. Um, hmm. Okay. Uh, we've talked before. That, that's a thing. That, that's something that's happening. We've talked before about the Gremlins uh, reboot, not a remake, apparently, we're now being told, by Chris Columbus, who has announced his official involvement. Chris Columbus was, of course, the producer of the original. He said, it is real. Writer, too, wasn't I believe so, yeah. He said, it is real. I am involved. When I finished Gremlins and the first Gremlins was released, I was asked to write the sequel and said there was no place else to go. Now, this was before the pre-crazy franchise era of Hollywood, where everything is a franchise. So, obviously, a long 30 years has passed. And I thought, okay, we can do this. We can actually find a way not to remake the first movie, but to take those characters and do something interesting. In his words, it's not a remake and it's not a reboot, but a reinvention. Don't call it a comeback. Don't call it a comeback! He didn't say Uh, that. (laughs) Hello, Cool J said that. Um, You know, he said there's no place else to go. Uh, I believe that I saw a gremlin sing New York, New York. Thank you, sir. So, I don't know what movie he saw or didn't see, but I saw that happen. So, okay. So, 
Suck it! And there was a gremlin that was a bat hybrid. Yeah. So how about that? Nowhere else to go. Fuck you, sir. Uh, that last one, that's on you. Okay. Um, so the piece of shit called Universal Mon- Monsters Universe. Can't think of a better name for it. Universal Universe. Yeah. Um, surprise, surprise, is being pushed back. Who didn't see that coming? Hopefully it's being pushed back off a fucking cliff. <laughs> uh, no. It's being pushed back. No! <laughs> um, Universal announced at CinemaCon that The Mummy is being delayed from June 2016 to March 2017. Uh, so almost a whole year. Um, Womp womp. <laughs> uh, um, so this will also, in turn, push the unannounced movie that they partially announced. <laughs> they told you that there's going to be a movie. Didn't tell you what it's going to be. Um, but the creature from the Black Room. They didn't say that that's what this is going to be, though. But, but no, but they said that they wanted, to, or we heard a rumor that they wanted to do that with ScarJo. Sure. But we, don't, we still don't know what this third movie is going to be. Right. I'm, I'm speculating. Okay. Okay. Speculate. Speculate right now. I'm going to speculate all over you. I'm speculating that this third movie is The Creature from the Black Lagoon. Okay, everyone. You heard Taylor's speculation. Let's all thank him for his speculation. Okay. This third unannounced movie is being pushed back to 2018. So... By then, no one will care. Yeah, hopefully, uh, because the Dracula Untold came out last year. Or this year. No, it was, it was last year, I think. Okay, so uh, four years of separation between like three, three years of separation between end of the years. That's brilliant. Everyone's gonna forget about Dracula going <laughs> to the Mummy and saying we should team up. <laughs> but, 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 who does that? Why would you? Why would you do that? What, why would you make the most famous monsters of all time superheroes? I don't fucking know. But it's like, do you think that Marvel would have succeeded at all if they'd done that? But there's rumors that Dracula Untold isn't going to even be part of it. So maybe they're taking the time to start all over. There are rumors, but from what I'm seeing. As far as now, Dracula Untold is still the first movie in this crossover universe. Uh, Whoever's running the Universal <clears throat> Monsters department, um, I hear Percocet are really good if you take like 30 at a time. <laughs> and then chase it with a bottle of Jack. Okay, just, just so you know. Alright, so that's going to do it for our business. Um, we don't have an interview this episode. Nope. Our bad. Yeah. Um, so we, like every episode, every other episode. No, every episode. Uh-huh. Every episode. Not every other. Everyone. God damn it. <clears throat> we watched and reviewed two movies. So, um, let's see.
What do you want to do first? Uh, let's do roadside. Okay. You know, it's going to get pretty nasty out there. I, I take it you two kids are prepared. I think we'll be okay. Not to answer my phone when I'm on vacation. Don't answer your phone when you're on vacation. How far are we? It's hard to tell where we're at. We've driven this a thousand times. Something just feels off. Hey, it's your brother. We're running a little behind. But, um, yeah, we should be there in about an hour or so. Oh, shit! Must have fallen. Looks like it was put there. I wouldn't do that if I were you. What the hell? What was that? There's a man out here with a gun. What do you want from us? Who said I want anything? I got a text out to someone. Hey, we're over here! Hey! This isn't about me. He's gonna kill us. Just do it! Come on! Get ready! Okay, so Roadside, uh, filmed by uh, former Grave Plot podcast guest Eric England, written and directed by him. This actually came before uh, con- uh, Contracted. I keep wanting to say Contracted. <laughs> the movie is about somebody that was hired to go the building. But no, he made this movie before Contracted, and Contracted just happened to take off, and this one was delayed something or something. I don't remember exactly the... I think it just got a wide release. Like, it just got a VOD or something. Something. Or just just got DVD distribu- distribution or something. Maybe, maybe that's the case. I know we recorded on it, I believe. I believe so. But anyway. Um, so, this is the story of Dan and Mindy, a couple that, um, they're, they're driving to his sister's house for Christmas. Um, I don't really specify exactly where this takes place, but it's in the, in the dead of winter, um, what appears to be a pretty bad storm. Although, at times, like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll get into this later, um, Starts off and they're they're just driving and they're driving along. They're driving along. <laughs> they're driving along and <laughs> God damn it. Uh, and she's bitching about him. I think about something. You can tell Tony's married. You know, his wife just running her mouth about some goddamn thing. He's not paying attention. He's talking about shopping or something. Well, no, I mean, uh, Mindy, she does come across as like a serious ballbuster. 
I feel like um, they they did a very good job of capturing like marriage. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm just saying they they did a, a good job of, of capturing the just the, the overall bickering that comes with being a married couple. Yeah, it's it's that's definitely true. I mean, I don't know. I don't want to say my wife and I. <laughs> my wife. <laughs> uh, we're definitely not special. But we don't argue and bitch about stupid things that, like as much as a lot of couples do. We give it time. <laughs> We've been together almost four years. Just give it time. Okay. <laughs> um, so to see people bitch at people, bitch, bitch at each other like this is just like, frustrating. Because <laughs> um, like, why are you, why are you complaining? About the reason they're like. They're going back and forth because they're going to his sister's house for Christmas. It's just the day before Christmas Eve. It's December 23rd, as indicated by his phone at one point. So they're going there to his sister's house, and she wants to leave that night so they can go to her family's house. That was the next morning. No, that's what he planned. Oh, okay. He said that we're... I told them we'd be leaving after we ate in the morning. Okay. Um, and he's just upset because he said, you know, we, we established that we would switch off holidays, but now we just spend all of them with your family. Which I can see that happening with a lot of people. Sure. Yeah. Um, has it become an issue with my wife and I yet? <laughs> my wife. My wife. <laughs> um, but anyway. So they're straddling <laughs> off. <laughs> um, and suddenly come to a screeching halt because there's this truck in front of them that just stopped in the middle of the road. And then the driver walks up out of nowhere, gets back in the truck, and drives off. I was wondering how he didn't see the truck until he was right on top of it. If it was clearly already stopped in the road, it wasn't like the guy was in front of him and slammed on the brakes. Yeah. Uh, her either. Yeah. Neither of them noticed. Like, he was on his on the phone. Which is a no-no. But he was still looking forward, as far as I could tell. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, so, like, right at the bat of the hit, they stop in front of behind his truck, and the driver gets in, takes off, and they're driving behind him, and then he starts, like, stomping on his brake, like, basically brake-checking him, mm-hmm. and they try to get around him, and he just speeds up. And uh, they almost hit another car head-on. They Later on, they pull over into a gas station, and he's in the shop, and the truck driver is actually in shop. And you never see his face. He's just like a real asshole. And there's a cop in there, a park ranger, I think was in the credits. And he's a park ranger. Oh, really? I believe so. I thought he was a sheriff. Uh, uh, let's see. IMDb, yeah, says he's a park ranger. Interesting. Uh, <clears throat> uh says, uh, you better look out for him. I've, you know, I've heard about him since my first day on the job. And He's a dick. Yeah. Just basically says that he lost his wife and kid, and he says it's had a death wish. It's like, don't you think you should be on the lookout for something like that? Yeah. <laughs> it's just like trying to get himself and possibly others killed. Yeah. Um, 
Anyway, so he takes off, and they get back on the road, and they come up across a log. Like, it's a full... From one side of the road to the other. That's a downed tree. It looked like it was just a log to me. Hmm. Did it roll downstairs, alone or in Paris? I love your neighbor's dog. No, but it fit on her back, and it was great for a snack. Mm. Maybe it was a log, log, log. Um, so he gets out of the car, he stops, he gets out of the car and moves it, and right at that moment, you hear this voice coming from the woods telling him not, not to move, don't go back to the car, just stay right where he is, and basically just, uh, Dan, Dan, thank you, um, just kind of says, fuck you, guy. I don't know who the hell you are. And he like, heads back to the truck, and uh, this guy in the woods shoots up the uh, yeah. the headlight. Yeah. So he shows that he is armed, ready to shoot. Pack the heat. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of where things sit for most of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it's basically uh, just a, a battle of endurance. I mean, Guys sitting out in the woods and don't know who he is. And you um, never see his face. No. Um, and he's kind of very, like, manly, like, announcer-like voice. Oh, it's almost calming. A little bit, yeah. And, you know, something that kind of bugged me was uh, Dan was, like, yep, shouting into the woods. But this guy, he was just speaking it like, regular... Volume. Yeah, yeah, that bothered me too. Like, it almost sounded like like they should have been talking on radios or something. Yeah, because the, the the volume was yeah, it was like he was standing right next to him, mm-hmm. or like I mean, it, it was very clear that he was recording and like, talking to a microphone, and basically like Ace Guerrero, the guy that played Dan, was probably just receiving his cues on set, and then. The man in the woods just kind of recorded his parts later on. Yeah. Which was obviously the case, but it, it was very clear that that's what it was. So that was something that bugged me a little bit, but not enough to really bring the film down in it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like I said, it just becomes a battle of endurance. Um, should mention that Mindy is also pregnant. I was just going to ask if you mentioned that. Yeah, but... No, um, and basically ready to pop. I mean, she says at one point she's about four or five weeks out of, you know, giving birth. And, um, and so there, there's that factor to consider. And it's also very cold. I mean, the one time they showed the temperature in the film was 33 degrees. No, they showed it a couple times. At one point it's 12. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't catch that. Yeah. I, I think I think that was the lowest it, it went. It was 12. Okay. Um, so there is one point where the shooter, the man in the woods, will not let Dan get back in the car. Mm-hmm. He'll, let, he'll let, her, let him go to the passenger window uh, to talk to Mindy and to basically put his hands in the car to kind of warm him up a little bit. Because the car's running. Um, luckily, they had just filled up. Right before this happened, so plenty of gas to just let the car run for however long. Um, and there are semi frequent time cues, like cards 
in between scenes to show you. Mm -hmm. Right, yeah. Um, Which I meant to, like, start checking to figure out how long he was actually out there. I think it was, like, three hours. Okay. Um, So, he's out there in in very awful cold, obviously. Yeah, like, he starts showing signs of frostbite. His cheeks and nose get really, really red. Yeah, and at one point, he kind of dares the shooter to, uh, it says, you've never shot someone, we're not going to start now, so I'm going to get in my car and I'm going to go. And as he's doing that, he uh, shoots him in the hand. Mm-hmm. Um, and so throughout the movie, he's basically nursing this hand, but it's bleeding, and you know, he's got it wrapped up, and that's really all he can do. Um, and I think at one point, he pulls his sleeve back, and you can see like what looks like Frostbite. Yeah. I, I have to assume, or maybe just some very severe bruising. Um, starting to take place because he's been out cold for so long, not allowed back in the car to mention. Um, and yeah, so, I mean, this kind of goes on for a while, um, and I don't really want to reveal, there aren't a lot of plot points. Yeah. So, the more I talk about it, the more there's limited plot points I'll reveal. So I will think I'll just end my synopsis there. And it, it's, it's hard to describe this movie because like, when you try to explain it, it sounds really boring. Yeah. But it's really not. Like, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, it's, it's a very tense, it's, it's a thriller. It's not, you know, there's not a lot of blood and guts going on. But, right. Um, and I didn't expect it to, there to be. Um, this was very... I mean, I think maybe even he mentioned it himself at one point or another, whether it be with us or maybe in another interview or something, where he described Roadside as being very uh, uh, Hitchcock-inspired, mm-hmm. which definitely got. <clears throat> yeah. Um, I mean, it's a very small movie. It's a very minimalist movie. Mm-hmm. Your, your only main characters really are these three of Dan, Mindy, and the Shooter. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, the most of the movie is just those three people all in one location. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, there are times when you step outside because the park ranger that he meets in the, the gas station store becomes kind of a secondary character. Um, but I think you add up the total time that he's in the movie, it's probably less than five minutes. Speaking of him, when he was in his car driving and he was talking on the radio... Did you realize that was Eric England on the other end? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's a little voice cameo for yeah. him. Um, yeah, as I mentioned, very... Uh, I have to compare it to, to Hitchcock. I mean, it's, it's very similar in style. Uh, I mean, even down to the credits. Yeah, they had, they had like a little kind of cartoonish yeah. uh, kind of artwork going along with it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it's so much to compare to, like, uh, you, you think of, like, Rear Window, where so much of the movie takes place inside one room. Yeah. It's very similar to that. Sure. Which takes place in, you know, what you can see. You can see maybe 50 feet down the, down the road in either direction, see the car, see them. You do get uh, shots through the shooter's scope, yeah, which is a nice touch. Right. Kind of gives you an insight into what he's seeing. So even though you, you never actually see him, you kind of know what he's what he's up to. Right. 
and you know he's not really bluffing. You know, he's, he's got him, got Dan and, and Mindy in his sights all the time. Yeah. Um. So you know he's not fucking around. Um. So. What's your insight on this? <clears throat> like I said, it's so hard to describe this to someone without spoiling anything. Without it making it's without making it sound really boring, but it's it's really not. It's it's paced very well for being such a minimalist movie mm-hmm. it, that it keeps you engaged and it it has a very um, very high level of tension where you, you're you know like uh, Dan will start to do something and you're just like oh don't you do that yeah <laughs> you better not right yeah there's a lot of times where they kind of where he and Mindy both kind of push the limits. And you're just sitting there waiting for the shooter to do something. Yeah. Um, there's a point where Mindy tries to dig for her phone in the car, because he's keeping an eye on her, too. Yeah. Like, I mean, he's, like you mentioned, he's got a scope, so you can see pretty clearly that she moves a muscle. Mm-hmm. So she's digging around in the, fo- in the car for her phone, because Dan, the shooter made Dan smash his own phone. Um, and she... Calls nine one one from the car. It actually does get through, mm-hmm. but the shooter catches on pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, so. Um. Yeah, I, I thought that it it did a good job of keeping things moving for being it just in one location. I thought it did a good job of keeping things tense. You also start to the relationship between Dan and Mindy starts to break down. As yeah. the, the stress level rises, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it's necessarily a spoiler. It's kind of part of the storyline, basically. Is that Dan has been not cheating per se, but has been flirting a lot with somebody that he, that he works with. Yeah, um, and Mindy appears to know all about it. Um, and so that contributes to that kind of breakdown of their relationship. Right. So. Um, something that I kind of brought up a nitpicker in me was some continuity issues as far as the timing and stuff. Um, but one thing in particular was there is one scene outside of the moon story where you're presumably maybe a couple miles, probably not even that far, away from the main characters. And it is just, the snow is just coming down like crazy. But then you come back to where the main characters are. and There's no snow, yeah. So, I don't know if that was just oversight or oversight. I don't know. I, I actually didn't even cross my mind until you mentioned it. Oh, yeah. But like I said, just <clears throat> get picker in me. Um, and also, I, I can't really explain this, but this does get into spoiler territory, but there are scenes where character, like, some characters seem to get from point A to point B a little faster than they should, and it kind of makes you wonder how that happened. Mm. And if you don't follow, I think it's pretty good. I think I do, but we can talk about that. Um, I, I also enjoyed the score. 
Yeah, I thought the score was like it, it fit incredibly well. Mm-hmm. And uh, Igor Nemirovsky is the the man behind that. Okay, give him credit. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, there's a, a mix of Christmas music, as you expect, sure. but also with a very symphonic score, but, but also, like, a lot of, like, tense music that you'd expect from a tense thriller. Sure. <laughs> um, so, yeah, there's some good work in that part, definitely. Um, so, I mean, you know, most good. Most good. Um, anything else you want to touch on here? Oh, I want to touch on you. No. Uh, no, I don't think so. Okay. Well, uh, why don't you uh, give us your number? Um, uh, MVB has this at four. Fuck them. Uh, I'm going to give it a seven. Okay. Um, yeah, it was, this is a little outside my scope, obviously. I mean, I've never, I mean, you, you know, I'm not typically one for thrillers. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I like my violence and gore. But, uh, this is actually pretty well done. Um, something that I would have not expected from a relatively new director, you know. This almost seemed a little more polished than contracted, and it's funny because this came before that. Yeah. How um, would you compare this, as far as from a uh, filmmaking perspective, to Madison County? Um, this was stylistically completely different. Um, you haven't seen it, have you? I have not yet. No. Yeah. Um, Madison County was. Shot in the way that you'd expect it to be, and you know, carried out the way you expect just some slasher movie to be done. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not really anything special about it in that respect, but this conveyed a much more mature mind and eye. I mean, both story-wise and visually. Okay. <clears throat> um, so, yeah, I mean, so I, I gotta say kudos to, to Eric for really stepping up his game between Madison County and this, um, and, uh, yeah, I, I, th- I think I'll probably back your score and say seven, um, so yeah. Cool. All right, well, um, I guess moving on then, our next movie is... From producer Eli Roth, and it is called simply Clown. He's gonna miss the clown. There's a little bit of good food. There's no clown coming. Who double books a clown? I thought you had a backup. Everything's gonna be fine. (laughs) Perfect. It's suffocating. One, two. Daddy? Oh, Jack, sweetie, let's get you to bed. That's not daddy. I can feel myself. 
It'd be foolish to say that this wasn't completely identical to something that already existed conceptually. Right. right. I was going to say, based on the episode of Aqua Teen Hunger Force, the clowning. <laughs> um, yeah, this is. I I have to wonder if they drew inspiration from that because, like you said, conceptually it is practically the exact same. So it's um, written by Christopher D. Ford and John Watts, and directed by John Watts. And it's the story of Kent McCoy. <coughs> who is a real estate agent. And his son is having a birthday party. And the clown that his mother had hired does not show up. So Kent, while he's at work, goes into one of the houses and just starts going through the attic looking for something that he can use to make a costume. Turns out he finds a clown costume. Yeah, lucky enough. Right. So he puts on a show at his son's birthday as Dumbo the Clown. And uh, it, it is, he's a big hit. All the kids love him, including his son Jack. And then that night he gets... So tired from all the festivities that he falls asleep wearing the costume. And he wakes up the next morning, and he can't get the costume off. He can't get the the rainbow wig off, he can't get the makeup off, he can't get the nose off, and he can't get the outfit off. Right. And, uh, it's... <clears throat> for a, a clown costume, it's, it's interesting. It's not really like your stereotypical clown costume. It's... Because it's not like really brightly colored, but it's it's a shirt and pants that have like diamonds all over it. Well, uh, who's it? Jumpsuit. Was it? I thought it was. I thought it was two pieces. I could be wrong. <clears throat> uh, but yeah, it it was very 
old looking. I mean, old fashioned. Yeah. Design and look. I mean, it had a lot of. I mean, it didn't have like like a lot of like, like you said, bright colors and you know polka dots and stripes and stuff. It was uh, like kind of like a diamond checkered pattern. Yeah. And very muted colors. Um. I mean, naturally, it had like the big like frilly collar. Like most clowns do. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you had something else to say. Then. Um, so yeah, so then he he winds up getting in touch with this man named Mr. Carlson, who tells him who is the the previous owner of the house. Right. Well, he tracks down information about the suit. Somehow. Like, you find the picture or something. Oh, he goes to the costume store. Oh, right. And they're looking through receipts or whatever, and he sees one that matches the logo that was on the chest. Right. Um, yeah, so he gets in contact with the previous owner, Mr. Carlson, who tells him, don't put on the suit. Yeah. But he just tells him it's it's very, very delicate. So you, you can't wear it. He's like, well, I'm I'm wearing it right now. Yeah, he's just like, says, uh, you know, everything's gonna be okay. Just don't, whatever you do, don't touch the suit. Leave it alone. Don't touch it. He <laughs> says, well, I'm wearing it. Yeah. Put it on. It's okay. It's okay. It's gonna be fine. <laughs> so. And uh, at one point, his wife Meg, who is a a, a nurse or a doctor or something. They don't, did they ever actually specify? No, I... I but she I, does say, this is what I do for a living, and she, and she has all the tools and stuff. I had to imagine she's a nurse. I don't think doctors typically go to work in scrubs. Mm. But she tries to take his nose off and ends up actually ripping the end of his nose off right. when, she, when she takes the clown nose off. Um, and then she's looking at the, his wig, and she's like, did you dye your hair? Did you die and perm your hair? <laughs> um, so yeah, and then he, he goes to Mr. Carlson, and Mr. Carlson explains to him that what we know as a clown is actually based on a demon named Cloyne. Right. Who uh, killed five children for every coldest month of the year as a, as a sacrifice to stay warm or something. I don't know. I don't really know what the purpose of him doing that was, but... I have to assume to something to that nature. It was a shtick. Uh, so he basically tells him that he is now possessed by this demon. <clears throat> and as the movie progresses, Kent becomes more and more just... Yes. Did you again, explain what the costume actually is? Oh, it's the actual hair and skin of the clone. Right. So, okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, as, as the movie goes on, Kent becomes more and more of this clone. The, the suit gets tighter and the hair becomes more and more ridiculous and his, his skin starts turning white and, uh, and his nose, his nose is in a bandage for the whole movie. So you never actually see if he like grows with another clown nose or something, but. Well, when, she, when his wife does ultimately pull off the nose. Off of, like, tears the tip of his nose off. 
exposed nose, so it's kind of like blood red. That's true. Um, and so, as the cloin takes over, he wants children. Mm-hmm. Um, so he he wants Kent to eat children, basically. Right. And he uh, he's always has this just insatiable hunger. You can hear his stomach growling throughout the whole movie, and uh, and so he goes looking for children and eventually the, the coin all but completely takes him over and he goes to Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah. And, uh, the, the whole scene in Chuck E. Cheese is the best part of the movie, in my opinion. <laughs> but then, uh, um, how much, how much can I say here? Uh, he tells Meg, bring me Jack and you can have your husband back. He says, bring, bring me a child. Yeah, he says, bring me one more child and you can have your husband back. And then she says, no. And he says, fine, I'll just take Jack or something. Right. Um, so, I don't want to give away the end, obviously. Um, is there anything I missed? Um, I think it comes to mind. Okay. So, thoughts? Um, well... I, I really had a hard time getting past the fact that it's just like, almost identical to the cloud. <laughs> I couldn't let that go. This the the movie actually came from a fake trailer, right? They they made the trailer, and I I don't think they made it with the intention of making it a full length. I think they just had the intention of making a fake grindhouse style trailer, mm-hmm. and Eli Roth saw it and went yes. <laughs> so I don't know if you know how much. Inspiration they drew from the clowning, um, but they they played it so straight. Yeah, it wasn't the uh, Carlson. Um, what was his name? Herbert, I guess. It's just in the credits as Carlson, but Herbert Carlson, um, played by Peter Stormare. Because, yeah, because he's a fucking. Right. He's like the white Samuel. <laughs> uh, he. Uh, Carlson. I said they played it straight, and you said, yeah, Carlson. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, except for Carlson, um, there was really no comic relief, like, at all. Yeah, like, for such a ridiculous premise, like, even if you don't know of the clowning and don't Related to that, it's still an absolutely utterly ridiculous premise. Yeah, but it's played so straight. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've, I don't like clowns. I know. So this was hard to watch, um, especially when like, like his face started to like replicate a clown. Like clown makeup, right? Um, in sort of a disturbing way, like you, like his skin would open up to kind of like you think of like um, think of like the the black marks on the face of the crow, just like similar painting styles. Mm-hmm. 
but those were like like his skin was opening up on his face. Yeah, they were almost like scars. Yeah. Uh, so that was really gross. And like just the, the sheer panic uh, of not being able to get something off of you. I think that could bring out claustrophobic in everyone. Sure. Um, yeah. And, yeah. There, there was a lot of that. It was just like, you know, the, the panic of like turning into something that you can't control and, or, you know, things happening to you. And just, yeah. I, movies that do that, they always get to me a little bit. Like, um, like you think of like, like creep show, in the scene, uh, I think it was actually done by George Romero, um, with Stephen King in it, where the guy he touches the meteor and he starts growing grass all over him. Oh, yeah. And, like, the panic that that guy had as he could see himself slowly being covered in grass and, like, just changing into something else. It's that feeling of utter hopelessness. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that always gets to me. Like in, in any form, so it's it something very similar in this movie where he like see himself and not fully comprehending what was going on, right? But see himself turning into a demon clown essentially, just like, Ugh. <laughs> and uh, no, I wouldn't say that. That's too much of a spoiler. Um, uh, shit, what was I going to say? Oh, by by the end, he. Doesn't look like a clown. No, he just looks. He just looks like this weird, almost lizard-like creature. Yeah, with the, like crazy hair and. That's the thing. It's like when he puts on the suit initially, it's obviously a fabric suit. But the longer he wears it, and the more it becomes part of him, the more it turns into, like you said, like kind of leathery, skin-like thing. Yeah, it almost looks like scales. Yeah, because it has that diamond pattern. Right. Um, and it becomes very clear, like, seems like throughout the movie, he's, he's wearing s- probably like a similar, similarly patterned suit that was just tailored smaller and smaller, so it looked like it was more skin tight. Mm-hmm. And then at a certain point, it does switch over to what appears to be some kind of probably like latex or silicone bodysuit, um, that is just form fitted to him. Um, think of like uh, Spider-Man. Huh? Spider-Man. No. Uh, not necessarily. Like, uh, what came to my mind was uh, Spawn, like the movie. Okay, yeah. Some like, kind of like full <clears throat> bodysuit. Like Phoenix Jones. <laughs> you know, those kind of things. Um, that's that's what it looked like to me. Okay. Um, so, uh, yeah, it was definitely conveyed feeling of that was like becoming his skin. Yeah. Um, one big plot hole that you and I talked about beforehand was what happened to Carlson? Well, you know, the last time we see him is in that uh, Chuck E. Cheese scene. <laughs> um he tries to cut Ken's head off with an axe. Right. Is unsuccessful. And then the police come and they're, they're all pointing their guns at him saying, put down your weapon, put down your weapon. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's it. Then the, the next scene is Meg walking out of the Chuck E. Cheese. Right. Yeah. I mean, so you never really established 
I was waiting to hear gunshots. I expected to hear gunshots, and then you would be okay, Carlson's dead. Mm-hmm. Um, I just kind of figured they probably arrested him. That's that's the thing. Like you have to jump to a conclusion though, because you never see him carried out in handcuffs or yeah. Maybe they they want to bring him back for clown two, <laughs> the clowning. The clowning. <laughs> Uh, uh, so I'm wondering if the creators of Aquatine Hunger Force have seen this and what they think about it. <laughs> they might think it's awesome. They might. <laughs> um, see, uh, Eli Roth made a cameo. It's a, yeah, it says he was Frowny the Clown. Who the hell was that? Wait, something that he actually realized he left out was that Carlson, when Kent found the suit. It was in a home that he was renovating to sell. Uh, as I mentioned, he was a real estate agent. Um, the house formerly belonged to Carlson's brother, mm-hmm. um, who was a doctor. And apparently, when, when Carlson originally found this suit, his brother was a doctor at a hospital in a children's ward. So he put on the suit Carlson did to go entertain his children, and then and that was frowning the clown. Yeah. Oh, I don't remember them ever actually saying his name. I don't think they did. Oh, okay. I mean, that was the only other clown in the movie. So yeah. Um. Yeah, and I I never would have recognized him either. I mean, his makeup and I think he's wearing a ball cap or something. Maybe a wig of some kind. So anyway. I don't know. I don't really know what else to say about this. Um, I don't know. There's, like I said, I my, my favorite part is the whole Chuck E. Cheese scene. Um, when, they, when the kid gets pulled into the ball pit. I thought that was awesome. Because <laughs> you just see, like, the kid, you know, sitting in the ball pit, and then all of a sudden he just goes... <laughs> And then another kid jumps in, and he's like, oh, somebody peed in there! And you yeah. see him get out, but he's, his sock is all bloody. Right. Um, Which was a nice touch. Uh, and then he's chasing kids through the tubes, the little playhouse thing. Right. Um, I think my favorite part was the first time we see uh, Stormare. And first introduced to his character, he like invites him in and gives him some tea and explains to him like exactly what's going on. And that's when he starts explaining him like what the cloin is. And then he can't realize that he's been drugged to get the tea and then passes out. <laughs> he wakes up strapped down to a table and um, Carlson is sharpening a cleaver and tells him the only way to stop the demon is to ch- cut his head off. Yeah, decapitation. And he's like trying to like make it calming. Like it's like, no, it's it's gonna be okay. It's, it's the only thing <laughs> I'm just gonna cut your head off. Yeah. It's like it's it, it's just your head. Everything's gonna be fine. But I gotta cut your head off. Um so I think that was probably my favorite scene. <laughs> um but yeah aside from the ridiculous premise this is Pretty well done. I thought so. Yeah, it's 
acting was good and uh, it was shot well, so those are the, the important things. The effects were good, I thought. Yeah. Um, the whole the, the look of the coin, we have to assume, was like kind of like the final incarnation of it. The final incarnation I was not a fan of. No. Um, it looked silly. I mean, the fact that part of this demon was big, colorful, curly hair. And then the final version doesn't have that. Yeah, it does. It's got, like, spiky hair. It's all like a curly hair. Oh, well, you're wrong. <laughs> but it does have a big horn, which you never seem to develop. You just didn't notice it. About having a horn. Well, no, he didn't, but, uh, because there's a flash, or like, not a flashback, but a recording of when Carlson had the suit on. It actually shows how to get the suit off. I won't go into explaining that. Um, but, uh, when Carlson was born, even, he had a horn, and all the, like, all the pictures that he showed Kent in the book. Had, the demon had a horn. I kept expecting Kent to develop that too, but he never did. At least I didn't notice it. Hmm. Um, yeah. And the part with the, uh, with the bandsaws? <laughs> yeah. That part, I was just like, oh! Yeah. No! <laughs> yeah, because how many times have we, uh, you know, anybody's been in Probably not that dire of a situation, but like a situation where you know you have to do something and you just like keep like stopping for Right. Um, and then as an outside observer, you're just like, you don't want to see it happen. Yeah. So it's like, oh, let's go. Noise. Oh, he didn't go. <laughs> um, I, I, one little thing about this, I couldn't really decide how I felt about it was every time that he, Kent, would um, bleed. Oh, yeah. It was, like, multicolored, like, like bright yellow and, like, red and purple and stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, basically, like, he... Oh, at one point, he decides that he can't take it anymore and puts a gun in his mouth and blows the back of his head out. Uh, and up against the white tile wall behind him, it was just a mosaic of what looks like a fucking... Funfetti cake. Yeah. <laughs> so, apparently, the cloying bleeds like fluorescent, not fluorescent, but bright rainbow. rainbow. Yeah. So, I couldn't decide how I felt about that. It was a little silly. Yeah. Um, a little funny at the same time, I guess. Yeah. Or a little dumb, but a little funny at the same time. Yeah, like that was probably the closest thing to, to comedy, but I, I don't think it, that even that was supposed to be played as comedy. Yeah. Um, there's times when he's like, presumably, like you don't really know what he's doing at first. Like he's coughing something up. Like he he goes into his own office, like it's his real estate office, and on his way out, he coughs on one of his assistants. It's all over his, her face, just like this, what looks like. Yeah, but you have to presume later on that it was actually his multicolored blood. Um, 
but when all the colors were mixed together like that, it just green or like brownish green. Mm-hmm. Like split pea, split pea soup or something. Yeah. So maybe it didn't work in that respect. Up against a white tile wall. You're right. Bit. Yeah. Um. Anyway. So, I, anything else to say? Uh, no. I think I pretty much covered everything I wanted to cover. Okay. Well, um, I liked it for the most part. It was. I don't know. It, it was a little dumb at parts, but. Overall, I think it, it worked if you can allow it to. I think a lot of people would just think it was stupid and not like it for that fact. Yeah. Um, but if you can allow yourself to like it, then I would say that it probably ranks around a six. Um, yeah, I agree on all points. Um, you, it's interesting because you can't go into it taking it too seriously. But you can't go into it expecting it to be slapstick. Yeah. You kind of got it. It is a horror movie. Right. But it's not like, uh, killer clouds from out of space. Right. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna match you. I'm gonna say six as well. Okay. Well, that's gonna do it for us on this episode. Uh, we do have one final thing. Do we? Yeah, we gotta close with plot holes. Okay, so in case you missed it last episode, we have a new segment that we're calling Plot Holes, where we take the plot of a popular horror movie, remove a bunch of words, and Tony replaces them <clears throat> without knowing what they are. We're basically doing it Mad Lib style. So, we're still trying to figure out if this is funny or not. So, yeah, I think <laughs> this time we, I, I gave the Tony, I gave Tony the, the categories beforehand, so hopefully it'll be a little quicker on the draw. So, I need an adjective. Fat. And a noun. Dingo. Uh, shit. And an adverb. Hello. Is that an adverb? Sure. I think. Alright. If I'm understanding adverbs correctly. I mean, they usually end in L-Y, but... Uh, hello. <laughs> oh, on the way, uh, place. Uh, whorehouse. Adjective. Uh, erect. Oh my. <laughs> Verb. Ending S- in ing. Sucking. This is gonna be dirty. <laughs> uh, noun. Donkey dick. <laughs> has to be, has to specifically be donkey, huh? Yep. Uh, adjective. Sassy. <laughs> Noun. Dickless psychopath. It's <laughs> very specific. Yep. Dickless psychopath. <laughs> Verb ending in ing. Puking. It's funny because Tony doesn't know what it says when I do. <laughs> and I'm. It's already going to be good, I can tell. Verb ending in ing. Pooping. <laughs> All right. <coughs> so today's movie is Final Destination. <laughs> in this teenage horror film, a fat man avoids the dingo of death, <clears throat> only to find that he can't get away from it so hella. <laughs> well, no, it didn't work. <laughs> That's not an adverb. 
On the way to the whorehouse for his high school French club, Alex Browning has an erect premonition of the plane sucking and killing all its passengers. Yeah. Got erect on the way to the whorehouse? <laughs> Always be prepared, I guess. After Alex and some other passengers demand to be let off the flight, his donkey dick turns out to be sassy, and the dickless psychopath explodes during takeoff. <laughs> While the FBI is convinced that Alex was involved in some kind of foul play, the passengers who got off the flight are all puking in horrible ways, as if whoever determined that the passengers would perish is pooping those who cheated death. <laughs> that was alright. Yeah. I think that was better. <coughs> yeah, tell us if that's working or not, because we don't want to keep doing this. <laughs> um, so, that's, I think, that's going to do it. That's going to wrap things right. up. Yep. Um... So, uh, keep in mind that our next episode here in two weeks, um, that's going to be the start of our, our first episode in May, which is also Cystic Fibrosis Awareness Month. Um, we've got a special interview lined up for that episode. Pretty fucking badass interview. Yeah. Um, and uh, we've got another one for the following episode, which we're actually going to put in a, an extra episode because we do have our Crypticon episode in May as well. So we're adding an extra episode in May to fill the time. Um, but, uh, yeah, so CF Awareness Month, um, all month in May. Um, we'll be talking about it and, and talking about relevant things, but then also doing our typical news and reviews. So We'll be reviewing um, Maggie and Unfriended. Yes. So um, if, if you have seen those and want to contribute to the conversation, feel free to email us at contact at graveplotpodcast.com. And uh, remember to check out audiblepodcast.com uh, slash graveplotpodcast. Right, and uh, get your free audio book. Um, so, I guess until next time. Oh, and also, it is not too late to back Mixtape Massacre. Right. So make sure you head over to Kickstarter, search for Mixtape Massacre, throw down a few bones so yeah. that they can make their goal. Yeah, where are they at right now, do you know? Uh, last I checked, they were just over 15,000. It's about 75%. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah, get them over the top, guys, and get that game made, because it'll be awesome. Word. Make yeah. sure you uh, check us out on Facebook, Google+, and Instagram, all at Grave Plot Podcast, and on Twitter at Grave underscore Plot. Yep. And, of course, GravePlotPodcast.com. Of course. Which I may have mentioned already. I don't um, think I did. Okay. okay well, Always so, good to say it again. Yeah, why not? So that's going to be it for us, and until next time, I am Skeleton. I am Taylor of Terror. This has been a great plot podcast, where we're all just a little dead inside. Mm-hmm.